0: Our scripture passage this morning is Luke fourteen, twenty five to 35. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned to them and said, Whoever comes to me and does not hate wife and children, father and mother, brother and sister, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when the foundation is laid and he's not able to finish, all who see it will ridicule him saying, this man started to build But wasn't able to finish? Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still a long way off, he'll send a delegation and ask for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you, can be my disciple unless you give up all your possessions. Salt is good, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can the taste be restored? It's fit neither for the soil or the manure pile. It's thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear, listen.
1: pray. Heavenly Father, we ask um, that You indeed would open our ears, our hearts, our very souls, indeed, to, to listen to Your Word. We in, invite, even beg, Your Spirit to speak to us To wake us up to the ways of Jesus. Show us the ways we are missing what Jesus is saying to us. And encourage us in the ways that we are hearing and following. His name we pray. Amen. as we're walking through Luke, because we're spending this time walking through Luke from Christmas to Easter, it's pretty clear and obvious what Jesus' basic word is to us. He invites us over and over and over again: "Follow me." That's that's his invitation to almost everybody he encounters. Follow me. Now, the thing is, we we know where he's going. We we recognize that his whole life was a a gift from above. His whole life was given in order to to carry out the the salvation, to begin the process, to complete and begin the the work of the kingdom. And and we know that he invites us to follow him. We know that right now, where we are in, in Luke chapter 14, he is in the middle of his journey back to Jerusalem. And we know how it ends. Yeah, we know what happens when he gets to Jerusalem. We know that, that, that he, 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 he's on his way to Jerusalem. We're, we're following him on this journey where he's going to be deserted by his closest friends. We're following him on this journey where, where he is going to be tried and found guilty and executed as a common criminal. And He's telling us, inviting us to follow Him. Now we also know that He's going to be raised. That the tomb will be empty. But but He's not saying, hey, meet me on the other side. At the empty tomb. He's saying, follow me now on this journey through the valley of the shadow of death. And what he's telling us in in this passage, what he's grabbing with his disciples, in a sense, you get get that he's got a large crowd there. You know, there's a bunch of Jesus groupies. And he's looking over the crowd and he's saying, listen, I need you guys to know something here. This is not a nice little cruise. This is a journey that will cost you a lot. And I want you to know what it's going to cost you. As much as I can tell you, I want you to know, because I want you to you, you gotta jettison the stuff that can hold you back. You you gotta let it go. You, 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 you gotta be unencumbered on this journey. No strings attached to follow me. You know, Colleen led us to those things that encumber us that are bad. The the ways of sin, the the ways that we get caught up in the the evil of this, this world that can totally dissuade us from following Jesus. But what Jesus is getting at now with those groupies of His is, let me tell you how the good things can get in the way. Let me tell you the good things that you've got to put aside in order to follow me. These good things that can encumber you. Being unencumbered can be really scary. I mean, uh, being uh, unencumbered is Jesus saying, "Okay, I got you in a in a plane. Now jump." Yeah, it's not necessarily an enticing picture. Right there, let's just jump. Don't have anything connected. Let's just jump. Maybe. The water's deep enough when I land. It it can be really scary when there's nothing connected to you. It might be fun on the journey, but the landing is really going to be tough. They seem that they're totally free, but being totally free is not enticing. We really want some things to be connected to. We need to be connected at least to, to something. I mean, just ask Tiger Woods. If there's anybody in this age that was, could see himself as totally free, it would be Tiger Woods. I don't know if you got to hear or read or see his apology on Friday, but the money wasn't going to hold him back. Power, fame... Skill and ability. I mean, he's arguably on his way to being the greatest golfer in the history of the game. And he thought, basically, he could do what he wanted. Totally set free just to live according to his impulses. it was interesting, on Friday... That he was saying that he realized being totally free isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And he had to get back to what he was connected to. For him, he's going to try out his mom's Buddhism. Pray and hope that some of his dad's words about Jesus will also uh, connect with him so that he's grounded and rooted in him. But being free, totally unencumbered, is not enticing. It can be really scary. So we do, Jesus isn't telling us be totally free, but he's telling us you need to be connected to one thing. Hey, the picture's a little different for some of us. Those of you scared of heights, there's no way to make that picture nice. But some of us yahoos now are like, all right, now that's a little better picture. You know, when, they're, when we're connected to at least one thing that we know is secure, then it's a thrill. Then we're, we're, we're ready to jump. It doesn't matter if the water's deep enough. If we're connected to the one thing, another title for this could have been Jesus is my bungee cord or Jesus is my parachute. For as we are connected to Him, and Him alone, then we find true freedom. Otherwise, that being unencumbered leads to destruction. Now what, what Jesus is, gonna, is telling His disciples, and He's telling us, here are the things that can hold you back. Here are the good things that can encumber you, that can prevent you from jumping. When Jesus, I've got you. I, I'm your parachute. I packed your parachute. I'm your bungee cord. So you can jump now. Well, here are the things that can prevent us, the good things, as, as people that are hanging around Jesus, that can derail us from being willing to jump. It's relationships with our closest friends and family our most beloved relationships that can encumber us. It's our own personal reputation, our own personal pleasure that can encumber us. And third, it's our stuff. There's three times in this passage that Jesus says, you cannot be my disciples unless you let those things go. You cannot be my disciple, verse 26, you cannot be my disciple unless you hate your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even life itself. Now, yesterday morning when I was waking up one of my daughters, I mean, she would have qualified uh, literally for that statement in her, in her feelings towards her father. But that's not... That's not what Jesus is getting at. I mean, what what is he? I mean, those are harsh words. You got to hate your father and mother. You got to hate your your children. You hate your spouse. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, in, in other other places in the scriptures, you tell us you, we got to give ourselves to our family and to our closest friends. What are you getting at here? Well, it's. Uh, A Hebrew usage of the word hate sometimes is what Jesus is using here. And the people in his day would have understood this. But it's like in um, Genesis and in Romans when God says, Esau I hated, Jacob I loved. If you remember that, great. If you don't, just trust me, it's there. Where, where, where God is looking at Esau and Jacob, two brothers, and he's saying, I hate Esau, I love Jacob. What, what God is saying there, and what is a, a Hebrew use of the word hate, is the, what God is saying is, I choose to bless the world through Jacob. I choose him. This is a permanent decision. This is a total and complete decision. Jacob is the only name on the page. He's the only one that I choose. It has nothing to do with God having some kind of emotional dislike for Esau. And it certainly no, God did not take actions against Esau that were for his detriment. Matter of fact, he cared for Esau and his mother. But it will be understood in that day that God is saying, It is through Jacob and Jacob alone that I will bless the world. And what Jesus is saying to us is that it is through you must choose one relationship that is your tether, that is your bungee cord, that is your umbilical cord of life, and it's me. No other name is on the page, Jesus is telling us. No, no matter how close of friendship, how great an affection, they are not on the page in relationship to Jesus. We choose to follow Jesus, period. That's what He's telling His disciples. This is a Challenging, complete, total choice of following me. You know, as I thought about that, the even this even this week, Kathy and I, my wife and I, are talking about how how the best relationships, you know, are much to my. Children's disbelief, you know, how much tied we are towards really blessing them. And at times, how wanting the best and the most for them isn't what Jesus wants. It's what the world tells us we're supposed to do, but it's not what Jesus wants us to do. And how we probably fail more than succeed in doing what Jesus would want us to do versus what the world would say we're to do. Yeah, the, the one person that comes to mind, that just blows me away as I consider how he was really pursued the way of Jesus and, and not the, specifically the blessing of his family is Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., you know, throughout his ministry, he, he regularly said, I am a preacher of the good news of Jesus. I am, in, in his line, I am coming to bring good news to the poor. I am coming to, to bring release of captives uh, from oppression. I am following the ways of Jesus. That is what, I am not about social change. I am not about changing the world. I am a preacher of the gospel. Because often he'd be asked that i mean why are you doing what you're doing i mean your your house has been shot your 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 family has been threatened bomb threats real bombs exploding it's what Jesus has called me to do and eventually it meant that his wife lost her husband and that his children lost their father because he was seeking to follow Jesus Dr. King even said this the question is not whether we will be extremists but what kind of extremist we will be the nation and the world are in dire need of creative extremists, to which I might add creative extremists for Jesus. Now, know this I mean, as, I mean, as we submit to Jesus, as He becomes our one and only relationship, well, then He leads us in submission to Him, we then are, are to submit. To one another. And he teaches us. That we're. I'm to love my wife. Like Christ loved the church. Which means I'm to be willing to die. For her. And likewise. And the children are to obey their parents. And parents to teach their children. In the ways of the Lord. But that is all. On the second page. After the first page it says jesus there were now there have been times that that we we're really pursuing Jesus. And and actually, Kathy and I were were talking about that recently. It was when Hannah was starting school and uh, we were in a church in Charlotte and another family and and we got together and we said, you know, let's find... Here's a school that is close to us and it's it's engaging in things we like to be engaged in, but it it has like a 30% success rate. You know, it's like an emergency um, situation. And we said, we really felt like Jesus is telling us that we need to but we both had children the same age in kindergarten, that our children need to go there and we just need to pour ourselves into it. And after five years, PTA grew from two people to 50. And the school had moved from academic emergency to academic excellence. But as we looked back there, we realized just how hard, just what the cost Jesus is playing... Setting before us to follow Him. To be unencumbered. He goes on, verse 27. You cannot be My disciple unless you carry the cross and follow Me. Unless you're willing to endure the pain to be My disciple in a world that doesn't follow Me. So easy for us to be encumbered by self preservation, a desire to succeed, or maybe even just a desire to survive. So easy for the, the fear of being misunderstood, or the fear of being opposed, or the fear of failure, or the fear of being rejected, or not fitting in, not being accepted, being ostracized, how the, those fears can encumber us. Jesus says that sometimes, and you know, it's a literal picture here. Just like he picked up the cross and carried it, so too will we have crosses as his followers that we will have to pick up and carry. And that's it's in this stage now where Jesus tells the stories. Listen, you, you got to count the cost. Before you go fight a battle, you got to know this is not a nice cocktail cruise this is a real journey of a team of an army if you will who are following the ways of Jesus now the people that Jesus was talking to they they knew it clearly and precisely just what the cost was and we've talked about it before. I mean, they—they they were facing the raised sword. For us, it's really more of facing the raised eyebrow. In our world, at times when we follow Jesus, it's about setting us. I mean, it's this is a a hard a hard step to jump to believe that He's really got our feet on that bungee cord to say this is not about me living my life the way I want to live it but it's about me following the ways of Jesus it's not about me pursuing the American dream or Drew's dream but it's about me saying okay Jesus what's your dream to be unencumbered to jump when He invites us I remember, as I was thinking about this, I remember at times a number of years ago when I was selling my car. And if you see the car I drive now, you know that any car that I drive isn't going to get much money. Um, I tend to just buy them and then just drive them into the ground. And, and this one I was selling for the high price of two hundred fifty dollars, and sold. And a gentleman came to me and said, let sell it. And as we were going on to the motor vehicle to do the title transfer and all that kind of stuff, he said, Hey, why don't can we just say I sold it for a dollar? That I bought it for a dollar so I have to pay taxes on it. And in the, the moment, I, sure, why not? And came home, confessed to my wife, and she looked at me and said, Why'd you do that? You yeah, know, why'd you sell your soul for what was it, $15? I mean, really, what'd you? Like, I don't know, I didn't want to rock the boat, didn't want to mess up the deal, didn't want the guy to think I was some goody-goody. She just looked at me funny and walked away. Simple little story, but to me an illustration of the way, that, and just a simple way, just carry the cross. Either sell the car for $15 less, but be honest. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. You can't be my disciples, Jesus says, thirdly, unless you let go of all your possessions. Now, I studied that one for a really long time. And I want to let you know what I found in my hours of study. And what Jesus really means is that you can't follow him unless you give up all your possessions. I tried really hard (laughs) to find some other way, thing that that was really saying. But we know that's the case. How encumbered we can become with our stuff. How encumbered we can become with our money. And how we just got to let it go. It is the brilliance of God in terms of calling us to tithe. It's the brilliance of God to say, listen, this is what regularly you need to do. 10% of the stuff you bring in, you need to give back to me, not as a reminder that everything you have is mine. Not only every penny, but every second, every breath is is on loan to you from me. Not just the 10% belongs to me, it's all mine. But the 10% is just a great reminder and a great practice, a great way of saying this is all God's. Because I wish, it were the, I wish that it were the case okay, everything's God's, great, got that one done. I'm choosing today that everything's God's and it's no longer a problem. But this whole journey of counting the cost of joining to follow Jesus is not one that just happens one day that we get a sheet of paper and sign our name on it or we pray the right prayer and that's done once for all. No, this is a day by day, moment by moment, counting the cost. This is what it means to follow me. It is a relationship, a journey that we're on together. That even our stuff... Our games, our cars, our houses, retirement funds belong to Him. Our time, unencumbered. I have to tell you, there's real freedom here. Real freedom in being unencumbered from our stuff. Of hearing Jesus say, jump, and we just, okay, let it all go. Had a really good illustration of that, just in the last several days, you know, Um, those ice dams that can form on your house where the water comes and it freezes in your gutter, you know, and you got like a foot of ice. Cool-looking things, right? Well, we had a few ice dams breaketh at our house this weekend. The whole front gutter just came crashing down, and then this morning around 4 in the morning, it was okay, I was already awake, thank you for waiting till then the back gutter just came crashing down you know and at first you go out there you look around you're like thankfully nobody was under 500 pounds of ice falling to the ground and you look hey i didn't really like that bush anyway so time to get a new one and then unencumbered by this you know isn't really my house sort of look up hey jesus how are you going to fix your house <laughs> It's easy to be a Jesus groupie. And so every once in a while, He stops. He actually says this three times in the Gospel. He stops and reminds His followers, I'm not about having groupies. I'm about having disciples, followers, apprentices in life with me. Those who are on the same team who are ready to carry out the will of the Father no matter what the cost. And so you need to be free. You need to be free from tradition and you need to be free from novelty. You need to be free from the way we've always done it and you need to be free from what's happening now. You need to be freed even from the closest relationships so that you can stand up and say, no, Dad, we're not doing that. I don't think Jesus would want us to do that. need to be freed from the stuff and the pleasure that it brings. So that when Jesus says, jump, I've got you. You're ready to jump and fly in the thrill of the adventure that He's calling us to.